Our first reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 12, verses 46 to 50, which you'll find in the New Testament section of your Bibles on page 14. While he was still speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. But to the one who had told him this, Jesus replied, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. How deep the father's love for us. Our second reading is actually a selection of readings uh, from the book of Hebrews, which starts with Hebrews chapter 2 verses 11 to 13, and then continues as written in your order of service, and this starts on New Testament page 234. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one father. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, here am I and the children whom God has given me. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin, for we have become partners of Christ. If only we hold our first confidence from firm to the end. For this reason, he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance because a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions under the first covenant. As I indicated uh, earlier, this morning I'd like us to think about what it means for us to be part of Jesus' family. And also about what it means for him to be part of our family. If you've been following our sermon series on the book of Hebrews over the last few weeks, and if you haven't, you can catch up on the podcast, then you will know that we've been looking at a number of different ways in which the book of Hebrews presents Jesus as someone who can be known and encountered by those who are wanting to follow him. We've seen that the basic problem for the recipients of Hebrews is that Jesus is experienced as being absent from them, either up in heaven somewhere, to be worshipped but distant, or lost to an increasingly distant past as the years go by and the memories get more hazy and the stories of, of his life and activity pass from immediacy into history. And the preacher of this written down sermon that we call the book of Hebrews is trying to explore with his congregation 
a variety of ways in which Jesus is not in fact distant from them at all, but rather can be encountered by them as real and still very much present with them. So in the first sermon, we saw how the preacher describes Jesus as the sustaining force in the cosmos, the one who is kind of in and through all things, intimately intertwined with each person, each animal, each tree, each flower, each atom. Jesus in and through all. And then in the second sermon, we encountered Jesus the pastor, who offers no quick fix to life's problems, but rather who travels with us through difficulty and through hardship and ultimately through death, giving us the gift of renewed hope even in the hard times by releasing us from the guilt of sin and the fear of death. And then last week, Dawn led us in an exploration of the speaking Jesus, who speaks the word of God to us in ways that we can hear. And today we come to the familial Jesus, who invites us to be part of his family and becomes part of our family. Now, I don't know what comes to your mind when people talk about family. Maybe you think of your own childhood, your parents, or whoever it was that brought you up. Maybe you think of any brothers and sisters that you may have. Maybe it's a happy memory, or maybe it isn't. Maybe childhood for you was a time of stability and security, or maybe it was a time of loneliness or stress or abuse. The reality for each of us, of course, is that who we are as adults is deeply affected and to some extent determined by our childhoods. Our ability to relate to others as adults will at least in part be a function of the key relationships of our formative years. For better or for worse, families matter. We have some friends who adopted a son at the age of two. He had a very difficult first two years, followed by a very loving and stable life following that. And now he's in his teens, you can clearly see the outworking of the damage done in those first two years in his <coughs> behaviour and his ability to relate to others. Those of us who have had children and raised families of their own will know that we have tendencies to repeat in our own families the patterns that we've inherited from our parents. Do you know the poem by the great Irish poet, Philip Larkin, entitled, This Be the Verse? I committed it uh, to memory as a teenager when we studied him for English A-level. And it has some rude words in it, so I'm going to give you the clean version today. 
They muck you up, your mum and dad. They may not mean to, but they do. They fill you with the faults they had and add some extra, just for you. But they were mucked up in their turn by fools in old-style hats and coats who half the time were soppy stern and half at one another's throats. Man hands on misery to man. It deepens like a coastal shelf. Get out as early as you can and don't have any kids yourself. Well, I don't fully share Larkin's cynicism about family systems, despite the fact that my own childhood experience was not always straightforward, and that I have indeed avoided having any kids myself. Families can be wonderful, and they're not all about the transmission of misery from generation to generation. But one of the more helpful insights that that poem can offer us is its recognition that problems experienced in the present are not simply the fault of those experiencing them. We are all the inheritors of attitudes, and actions over which we have no control. And any family, whether functional or dysfunctional, will always be more than a mere collection of individuals who just happen to have shared a roof at some point. <clears throat> Families, you see, are systems which contain individuals, but which also have an existence beyond the level of the individual. If this sounds strange to you, it might help to think for a moment, not of your own personal family, but of the church family to which we belong. Bloomsbury Central Baptist Church, like all churches, is a family system. We are individually members of it, but it is greater than any one of us. The family of this particular church is one which stretches back 170 years, as we shall be celebrating next Sunday. So see you next Sunday. And all of those who have been part of this place over that 170 years have left their mark on the community. People whose names we have long forgotten, unless we read them in Faith's wonderful history of the church that she wrote for us. And even then, they're just names, but they are in some way still with us. <coughs> in a very real and tangible way, those who have gone before have an effect on us all. Those of us who make up this church family in our generation, the culture of our church family, the things we stand for, the things that we do, are not merely the product of those of us who gather here week by week. They are the product of all of those who have gathered here down the years, stretching right back to the people who first founded the church. And this is because we are a family system. We are not just a collection of individuals who meet under one roof occasionally. 
Last night, when I was uh, introducing the, um, the, 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 the evening, we were talking about how this church has repeatedly taken a stand on issues of ethnic inclusion. And so we were, last night, we were having an event about Martin Luther King, and then we remembered that five years ago we had an event to mark the 65th anniversary of the Windrush. And then we remembered that Martin Luther King preached here in 1961. And then we remembered, right the way back to 1851, the stands that the church took then, deciding that it was going to deny communion to those visitors from the southern states who were over for the Great Exhibition, but who still had complicity in the slave trade. There's a culture there. We are only who we are today as the family of this church because of all that has gone before. That's a really positive thing. There will be negative things as well about our culture, about our family system. And the insight that families are systems has been highly influential in the way that therapy is offered to people who are struggling to address problems that they're experiencing in their lives. People who may be anxious or stressed or depressed or who feel trapped in repeating patterns of harmful behaviour. An individualistic therapeutic model will focus on the person and their problems and how they can be addressed. But a family systems model of therapy will recognise that each person in the family, both past and present, has a role to play in the functioning of each other member of the family. And so to help an individual, you first have to help them understand the relationships within their family. When I went for therapy uh, about three years ago now, uh, we spent a lot of time talking about my early childhood, trying to understand the way in which those times affected my behaviour in the present. We are family systems. Therapeutically speaking, the path to wholeness and healing and integration for an individual will be found in looking unflinchingly at the family system to which they belong, both for better and for worse. To quote the former rector of my hometown, Sevenoaks, John Dunn, no one is an island entire of themselves. Everyone is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. No one is an island. So where does this leave us as sisters and brothers in Christ? What does it mean to say that I am your brother? That you are my sister, that you are my brother. What kind of a family system do we inhabit? What sort of a family is Bloomsbury? These kind of questions are going to be really important to us going forwards, because if our church is to be a functional rather than a dysfunctional family, we will need to give time and attention to the relationships that bind us to one another. Whether we've been here five weeks, or five years, or five decades, none of us are immune from each other. 
And we will need to continually work together at discovering the nature of this church family that we belong to. Are we a confident family? Are we a loving family? Are we nurturing and empowering of one another? Or are we defensive? Or anxious? Or stressed? Or depressed? What kind of a family are we? Do we have habits of love? Or habits that are more destructive? The answers that we discern when we consider questions like this will need to be more than just our personal perspective or state of mind. Because how I feel is never the complete answer to, how the, to the question of how a, the church family is doing. I am not, you are not the sole barometer for the family system that is this church. It takes conscious effort to tune into the emotions and actions of others, to pay attention to one another and not just to our own needs. Discerning the nature of a church family in this way is not an easy task because it brings us face to face with the flaws and the hurts that we would rather ignore or paper over. But it is, I think, a necessary task because if we are each other's sisters and brothers in Christ, then we are called to be a family, for better or for worse. And it is in our family life together that according to the book of Hebrews, we will encounter Jesus. You will remember that the congregation that this sermon of Hebrews was written for were struggling to find Jesus. Well, the preacher tells them, and I think us, that the familial Jesus is discovered right here in our midst. Because we are not just siblings of one another. We are siblings of Jesus. He is our brother and we are all children of God. You see, a Christian community such as a church is far more than a collection of individuals who have gathered together around a shared set of values or some shared goals. We aren't just brothers in arms in some fight against evil in the world. We are a family, siblings with Jesus and children of God. We are partners with Christ in his mission to bring good news to all people. And we are the heirs of the promise that the dwelling place of God is with humans. Jesus dwells in our midst. He is our brother and we are his family and he is here now in our midst. Therefore, who we are as the family of Christ matters because it is through our familial relationships that Christ is made known. If we are dysfunctional, then we present to the world a dysfunctional Christ. Christ. 
If we are anxious or destructive, then we present to the world an anxious and destructive Christ. One of the fascinating insights of family systems therapy is that people in a community such as a church live in a system of swirling emotional processes. Have you ever heard someone say that they could sense the emotion in the room? Well, whether we're directly aware of it or not, we are all affected by the emotions of those around us, as well as by our own emotional responses. So if someone in the family is chronically anxious or depressed or stressed, we find that we too start to take that anxiety or depression or stress into our own lives, as the emotions of the other person also become our emotions. And of course, if someone is joyful or happy or calm, we will find that we too start to exhibit these positive emotions the more we spend time in their company. I think this is true more for some people than for others. To borrow a, a phrase from Dawn, some people leak their emotions more than others. Just as some people absorb the emotional atmosphere around them more than others. But to one degree or another, we're all affected by the emotional field that exists within a family community like a church. And if we don't pay attention to the emotional systems of our church family, we will never be able to differentiate ourselves from the emotions of others. And we'll just be blown backwards and forwards like grass in the wind as we're overwhelmed time and again by the emotions of those around us. What we need to discover as we work out what it means for us to live together as the family of God is who we truly are. Who am I truly before God? Who are you? I'm not you. And you're not me. We may belong together in this family, but we are also not the same. And the discovery that your problems are not the same as my problems, and that my problems are not the same as yours, is the key to discovering that when you are weak, I can be strong. And that when I need help carrying the burden of life, you can be the one to help me and pick me up when I stumble. The discovery that we belong together, but do so as individuals emotionally differentiated from each other, means that we can escape the cycles of reactivity that can exist within a family system such as a church, where one person's anxiety triggers a domino effect of anxious responses that travels throughout the entire community. And if we can learn that each of us individually matters uniquely to God, then we can discover what it means for us to be the family of God, where we emotionally affect each other for good. If we can learn that each of us individually matters uniquely to God, then we can discover ways of being together across disagreement. Just because we do not always agree doesn't mean we don't belong together. 
And while an emotionally undifferentiated family system will find disagreement very stressful to live with, those of us who are mature in Christ will discover that our call to belong together transcends the negative emotions of disagreement. So I'll ask again, what kind of a church family are we? What is this family to which we belong here at Bloomsbury? Do we hear Christ in our midst, calling us his brothers and sisters and valuing us uniquely? Can we discover what it is to belong together, respecting the fact that we're different from one another? Will we support each other, recognising that emotional maturity is the path to wholeness? Do we have the courage to recognise those times when we are acting out of our own anxiety? And to be honest about those times when we are destructive of the relationships that exist between us. In a moment, I'm going to lead us in a couple of minutes of silence, slightly longer than the normal sort of pause for breath at the end of a sermon. I'd like to invite you to use the silence to quietly reflect on the emotions that you can sense around you and also on those that you sense within you. Do you feel anxious or at peace? Do you feel at ease or ill at ease? And in response to that discernment, I'd like you to offer a silent prayer that God will draw alongside you through your brother, Jesus Christ. And then I'd like to suggest that you just listen carefully to what it is that Jesus wants to say to you and to you alone. Let's be silent for a couple of minutes. Let's come before the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come to you as a family, because family matters. We come to you not as isolated individuals, but as a whole. And Lord, today we, we lift up the rest of our family, the global family, the family of this city, and the family of this church to you. We think of those families that are torn apart on the borders of Mexico. We think of the atrocities happening. We think of those people who feel broken and alone, afraid. And Lord, we pray for an outpouring of your compassion, a change of heart. We pray that you will move in those that have the power, that you'll move in the hearts of those around to stand up and speak out against what's happening. We lift up Hungary to you, where it has just been criminalised for those against sheltering immigration, immig immigrants and refugees. Again, Lord, we pray for a change of heart. We pray for compassion. 
And we pray for courage for those that will stand up against it. Lord, we are all your children. We all matter uniquely to you. Lord, help us to not see the other, but to see a brother or a sister, to see our siblings. We pray that you will change the hearts of those that have lost that way of seeing things. We pray you are moving them today. Lord, we lift up our city to you. This diverse, bustling city where it is so easy to feel alone and isolated. Lord, we pray we, you will build family links, that you will build bridges across borders, that you will bring communities together. Lord, we pray against the gangs that happened here in London, the problem with knife crime and the young teenager who lost their life this week already. Lord, we pray for those that are searching for connection and find themselves in the worst places. Pour out your compassion on this city today. Let us build healthy connection. Let us build healthy family. Let us not feel isolated, but feel united. Help us to show the city that each of them uniquely matter to you. And we lift up this church family. And we thank you for the good news that we had this week for Sheikh, that he is able to go back and fight another day. And again, we pray for your compassion to be poured out in the system that seems to fight so hard against him. Lord, bless this family as we unite together around Sheikh and hold him up. And we think of those that are not with us this morning because of health issues. Pray you give them the courage to reach out to us and that we will have the compassion to reach back and to love them. And we think of our 170 years of inheritance and we thank you for your blessings. We thank you for the strength and the courage that we, this church has taken over the years. And Lord, we pray that you will help us to break the unhealthy cycles, the unhealthy systems that each of us remembers that we matter uniquely to you and so that can therefore be united as a whole. Let us become functional. Help us to become more loving. Help us to be your face, to be Christ to the world and to the city and to each other in this church. Help us to be brothers and sisters 
Help us to serve each other. Help us to have the awareness that we can break the cycle, that we do not have to carry on anxiety or frustration or anger. That we can respond with love and compassion. Lord, remind us each day that even if we don't agree, that we still belong together. With Christ as our brother and the rest of our siblings. Amen.